Hey everyone. So on Patreon, we are doing a series on devotions, largely mystical devotions, because most of them are mystical. And I wanted to share the first one here with everyone to give you a taste of the type of stuff we're doing on Patreon. So as of February 2023, I am taking a break from new episodes to write our new season on mysticism. However, I'm still very active on Patreon. We have near daily posts covering saints, covering prayers, and things like this, which is a full audio series. We have a giant backlog of deliverance prayers, blessings approved by the laity. We also have a very active Discord server. So there's lots to check out. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and I also hope that it piques your interest a bit in joining the incredible community that we have built on Patreon. So I hope you enjoy and I hope to see you on Patreon as well. God bless you and enjoy. Thomas was not there the day that he died, and for this he was already disgusted. How could I be such a coward, he lamented to himself. My beloved, my teacher, my friend was murdered and in his last moments, I couldn't even be there to comfort him. And now three days later I am still hiding in fear, for I know the soldiers will crucify me too. But my friend has died, and in my own selfishness, I couldn't even risk my own life to see him. And yet he would risk his for me. May God forgive me for my transgressions, though I'm not even sure how I can show my face to my brothers and sisters. But then a knock was heard at Thomas's door. His friends, who we now call the disciples, stood there. Thomas, Thomas, they beckoned. Their faces were glowing joyful. But how could they be joyful? Jesus was murdered. We all might be next. He has returned. Who? Jesus has returned. How? What? No. Is this my mind playing tricks? I have not eaten, I have not slept, and now they are here telling me this. Come with us, Thomas. Maybe this is a trap. Just like Judas betrayed Jesus, are they now leading me into slaughter? They continued to beg Thomas to get up. And thus Thomas did. As he tracked down the road, his friends were playful, skipping and laughing. What is this? They led Thomas to a small inn. He is inside, they said. Thomas scoffed, and he proclaimed, Men, unless I shall see the wounds on his hands, unless I can witness the holes in his feet, unless I can trace them with my fingertips and put my hands into the wound of his side, I will not believe, and I cannot believe. 
Thomas then turned around and headed back to where he had been hiding. Eight days had passed, and then another knock on the door. Thomas, still in a daze, opened, and in front of him stood a man who Thomas's eyes said was Jesus, but his heart and mind refused to believe. The man took a step forward, Thomas a step back, and the door closed. The man held out his hands, both with gaping wounds. Thomas, trace your fingers along my hands. The man then lifted his cloak. And now place your hand upon this wound on my side. Be not faithless, Thomas, but believe. Thomas, after tracing the wounds of this man, he fell to his knees, and in tears he proclaimed, My Lord, my God. Jesus helped Thomas up, saying, Because you have seen, you have believed. Bless those who believe, yet they have never seen. Jesus and Thomas then went to be with the others. A large crowd were staying in the upper room of an inn. Jesus and Thomas arrived. Jesus went to the table, broke bread, and shared it with all those gathered. And from that point, all those present could see him. And they all knew that this man with bloody palms and dried blood in the shape of a crown on his forehead is the Son of God. Thomas stared at him again now with new eyes, and again, this time silently proclaimed, My Lord, my God. Peace be with you and with your spirit. Often when we think of the word devotion, we think of God or a deity or a saint. However, in Catholicism, you also have devotions to certain events or aspects of the divine. This is actually seen in a lot of religious orders when they take on new names. Often they will take on the name of the person or the event or the thing they have a devotion to. For instance, St. Therese of Lisieux, her religious name is Therese of the Holy Face because she had devotion to the Holy Face. And we're going to get into the Holy Face later on in this series. Or St. John of the Cross. He took on the religious name of the Cross because he had a devotion to the Passion. That is something he had a devotion to prior to his visions of the cross, so on and so forth. So he took on the name of the cross. And in this podcast, we've explored a lot of saints who have had devotions to these things. And I get a lot of questions and requests for content around these devotions. So things like the sacred heart of Christ or the precious blood of Christ or the holy face of Christ or the five wounds. So I wanna do this series on these devotions and this will be the first. Now, what do these devotions mean? Because obviously when we look at a saint or a deity, we obviously can say, okay, I'm trying to learn something from these people. So what does it mean when we have a devotion to the sacred heart or something like that? 
And it's actually quite similar. We also will look at these things and see what we can learn from. And they serve both a contemplative and a mystical element. And we are going to get into what contemplative really means in our upcoming series on mysticism. But we're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. So we are going to talk about the wounds of Christ. So let's use that as an example. The shoulder wound of Christ. That's kind of a bonus wound. We're going to talk about that one a little later. But the shoulder wound, it occurred when Christ carried his cross. Therefore, we can contemplate the heavy cross that we are carrying in our lives, something that is weighing us down. And when we can contemplate that, when we offer that up in meditation and in prayer, we can ask Christ to take that cross off our backs, help us in shouldering the load. And this imaginative form of visualization, it might seem new agey or hokey. However, imaginative prayer is a hallmark of Catholic spirituality, and it's a hallmark of Catholic mysticism and contemplation. A lot of that can be found in uh, what's called Ignatian prayer from St. Ignatius of Loyola. Similarly, when we meditate upon the mysteries of the rosary, we're not supposed to just think of them. That's fine, that's beautiful, but we're supposed to really put ourselves in those moments. And one, what can I take from this and how can I put this into my life? But also, I'm gonna put myself there and speak to Mary, speak to Jesus. And that is one thing you're supposed to do. So a practical example though, of these devotions. Let's take the mocking and beating of Christ on the pillar. So the mystical is in prayer, I am going to imagine, so the shoulder wound was the example. I'm going to imagine the cross that I am carrying and in imaginative prayer, a contemplative prayer, I'm going to pray to Christ to ease the wounds on my shoulders and he can accept assist in carrying my cross. So let's take a practical example. Let's take the mocking and beating of Christ on the pillar. In that moment, we can imagine the people who have mocked or beat us in our lives. And we can take that moment to forgive them and pray for them and ask Christ to free us from those wounds. Though also, we can take a moment to reflect on the times that we were the angry guards, the times that we mocked and beat others, and thus ask God for forgiveness. But you also have an even more mystical element, sometimes too, with these wounds. Let's take the precious blood of Christ, the blood that bled from the wounds on his side and palms and feet. So the blood of Christ is seen as this protective element. And this harkens back to the Passover ritual where the blood of a lamb was spread on the door so the angel of death would pass them over. The blood protected the people of God. It's also seen in the atonement rituals when the blood of the sacrificed goat would be sprinkled on the people and the altar for protection. Christ and through his blood became the new protective lamb. And this is why many exorcism prayers and deliverance prayers it calls upon this element. It calls and invokes the blood of Christ. And it invokes us to be covered in the blood of Christ for protection. And this concept of pleading the blood, which is a prayer when you ask Jesus to protect you with his blood, is a term you hear more in Pentecostal spaces or more Southern Protestant spaces, but it actually has its roots 
in precious blood devotion, which stems back from the early Middle Ages. So in summary, devotions have both a contemplative spiritual side, which can help us in our daily lives, but it has this mystical element as well, which blends protection, imaginative prayer, contemplative union, and more. All right, so now that we've talked about Devotion 101, practical, contemplative, and mystical. Practical meaning, how can I put this in my own life? Mystical being, how can I lift this up like the precious blood? How can I invoke that for protection? And then contemplative is a little bit of both. It could be contemplating this and seeing the practical and the mystical coming from it. Now, now that we have that out the way, let's talk about the holy wounds of Christ, most commonly called the five wounds of Christ. Now, why am I calling it the holy wounds, not the five, because there are much more than five and we'll get to that. So I initially wanted to start this series with the Sacred Heart because the Sacred Heart is a devotion that I feel you see the imagery everywhere. It's one of the most stunning and beautiful, in my opinion, images of Catholicism and devotion. However, it's not often explained, at least in depth. It's not always explained in the mystical side. It's not always explained with the visionaries and the saints who've had their visions of it. But I realized before I get into the Sacred Heart, I have to start with where most devotions, at least in regards to Christ's body, began. And they all stem from the five wounds of Christ. So, but <laughs> the five wounds of Christ actually stem from a devotion even earlier, which was devotion to the Stations of the Cross. And this is, as you may know, devotion to the Stations of Christ's torture and eventual death. And there's a few different versions. I personally prefer the more recent John Paul II version because it follows things that are actually in the Bible and it ends in the resurrection. Though the traditional that you'll see from St. Liguari and the ones that were practiced in medieval times, they have some, some additions in there. It's a little longer too. However, the Stations of the Cross are things like the agony in the garden, Christ being whipped at the pillar, carrying the cross, all of his falls um, in the medieval and the traditional, which is often the one you'll pray at church. It's usually on the stained glass. You have the Holy Face, which is when St. Veronica puts the cloth up to Christ's face and leaves an imprint. And then you have the, the death and the burial and a few others in there. Um, St. Simeon helping him with the cross. So this devotion really took on during the Middle Ages, namely the Crusades when people could travel to the Holy Land. And people would take pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and they would literally walk through the places where these things happened, and you could still do that today. So not everyone, obviously, could take a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, so these Stations of the Cross began being very common to do in your home, in your home churches, things like that, uh, because there was still war and crusades and chaos in that pilgrimage. So many people in the medieval times, they just wanted to have that home devotion to these stations. Now, the overall death of Christ is very rich in mysticism itself, and we will cover these elements more in the upcoming mysticism series. However, in short, 
Christ's suffering was to defeat the death realm. Similarly, his suffering also, in a way, made our suffering relatable to God. Therefore, our suffering can assist in our glorification. Now, that's a topic of redemptive suffering. I'll get into that later. That's, that's a bit of a, a heady one for me. However, Christ's suffering was ultimately to defeat the death realm, so we can all be reunited with God. But it was also to take on the burden of the brokenness caused by evil in the fall. So, yes, you have various atonement theories, though one of the most prevalent was the fact that Christ died, went to hell to destroy hell, that we can all now reconcile with the Father, but also taking on the burden of the evil and the brokenness. I get into the evil and the fall in my demonic series. Now, God exists outside of time, so this crucifixion can still be considered occurring outside of time in some ways. Therefore, we can ask Christ to take on our suffering. Alternatively, we can also ask for our suffering be used to redeem us and take some of the suffering off of Christ in a way. But similarly, I think the, the most common way we talk about Christ and offering up suffering isn't through this imaginative prayer of Christ's crucifixion, which is one thing you do in these devotions, but it's, it's the Eucharist as well. The Eucharist is a form of sacrifice in which we can also offer up our sufferings at Mass and then partake in the bread of the angels. So, using the Passion, though, which is what happens in the Stations of the Cross, you can use that as a form of imaginative prayer to offer up your suffering. And I think this is so incredibly powerful, and Lent is coming up, and I recommend everyone do this. It's so beautiful. So, going through every step, I'm in the, the agony of, in the garden, so I'm sitting there with Christ, we can take this a few different ways. I can console Christ and just let my heart be open and full. I think that's very important. We must have compassionate hearts. However, I can also say, Christ, while you are suffering, here, here is the agony that I'm feeling in my mind too. Then the betrayal of Judas. One, as I said, we can just watch and, and have our heart be open to that. Or we can reflect Christ. I am feeling like I have been betrayed in this instant, or alternatively, I have betrayed someone in this instance. Have mercy on me. And in that union, in that prayer and that visualization, something very powerful happens because we are interacting with God. God can speak to us through our imagination and we can offer things up in that moment. And this was used in the Middle Ages during that time, going through the stations and offering things up. Or it's also humbling, allowing us to see our problems through the lens of God, God's own suffering and sacrifice, it's beautiful. There's a lot more, I'm gonna save that for the mysticism series, we're actually going to do a full series on the contemplative stations of the cross. But just know for the sake of this episode, the passion and the stations are said to be very holy and they have very mystical elements to meditate upon and to use as intercessory and contemplative prayer. All right, back to the wounds. So over time, people couldn't go to Jerusalem, so they would do the Stations of the Cross at their own churches or in their homes. So over time, though, 
you started you started to see these devotions splinter off. There was one devotion that people really enjoyed more than the others. One popular one was the Holy Face, which the legend goes. Saint, so Saint Therese of Lisieux was Saint Therese of the Holy Face. Was um, Saint Veronica placed the cloth on Christ as he walked and his face stayed on the cloth. So all of these great medieval Catholics and monks and saints, they would take that as a devotion and they would meditate upon the face of Christ in those means we discussed. So in a practical way, a contemplative way, in a mystical way. And you started seeing more. So the holy face, you started seeing the precious blood, the blood that dropped. And ultimately though, it mainly centered around the five holy wounds. And this is often depicted as the following. Wounds in the two hands where Christ was nailed to the cross. Wounds in both feet where Christ was also nailed to the cross. And then the wound in the side which was pierced by the soldier's lance and blood and water poured out. Devotion to the passion and thus the wounds that was heavily influenced by St. Francis of Assisi. He was one of the main folks that was encouraging pilgrimage to holy sites and later privately to the holy wounds. So he also recommended this devotion to holy wounds. Another would be St. Bernard of Clairvaux. He was another great mystic and he encouraged personal devotion to the wounds. Um, St. Gertrude the Great was another and she also later would have this devotion to the soul in purgatory and the sacred heart. But her devotion really centered on um, a daily prayer in honor of the 5,466 wounds. So according to medieval lore, 5,466 was the true number of wounds Christ suffered. So that would include the lashes at the pillar, the shoulder wound, the wound on his head, the other scrapes, cuts, and lacerations he had on the Passion. So that number, 5,466, it resulted in this tradition of praying 15 paternosters or our fathers a day. So you would end up praying 5,466 our fathers in a year. There was also a medieval mass that was held called the Golden Mass in which five candles were lit for the five holy wounds. And if you attended for every day, because it would be five separate masses, you would escape the pains of hellfire. And lastly, though, I think one of the most common ways we see the five holy wounds today, aside from devotion, people still have a devotion to this, is in the rosary. The five Our Father beads on the rosary are said to represent the five wounds of Christ. Another fun fact, prior to its modern use in the occult, the pentagram was used to, to symbolically represent the five wounds of Christ. It was used in the shield of the 14th century poem, uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. So he had the pentagram and in the poem and in other King Arthur lore, it was said that that is what it stood for, the five wounds, so on and so forth. All right, so over the centuries, the five wounds still very much had a devotion. Also over the years, you would still have masses that would be said for the five wounds. So you would have a feast day of the most precious blood, a feast day for the side wound. And a lot of these are still optional feast days, though 
in a calendar revision or various calendar revisions. What happened was the Easter feasts, the feasts of the Passion, they kind of rolled that into all of the five wounds. Similarly, there is a feast day for the Seven Sorrows of Mary, which also includes the wounds. Though there is still optional feast days for this. And the five wounds are still a common devotion for people. Pope Francis today, the current Pope, actually has a devotion to the five wounds. And one way that people today have a devotion and dedication to the five wounds, other than just contempla contemplating, contemplating, I'm not going to edit that out. We're going to keep it in because this is Patreon. Other than contemplating the five wounds and, and maybe even offering ourselves up to them, another common way to have devotion to them is through a chaplet. It's called the Chaplet of the Five Wounds. So in the beginning of the 20th century, there is a nun who I believe is on her way to canonization now named Sister Marie Chambon. And she received visions which would include Christ letting her know a new way to pray to him in the holy wounds. And most of this was kept in a diary and it wasn't found until after her death, but it was shared with her mother superior. So Sister Marie had visions of Christ ever since her first communion as a child, and they continued throughout her life. And what I like about her story, and I'll likely do some Patreon content about her during the mysticism series, is Christ grew with her. So her first communion, it was a child Christ, and then like, confirmation he was a little older and then when she took her vows he was like fully grown but she had all of these visions and they ultimately resulted in christ giving her the rosary of the holy wounds which today we call the chaplet of the holy wounds and jesus told her to unite her suffering with his holy wounds which will also bless those in sin and bless the souls in purgatory and this all sounds very, very similar to St. Faustina's Divine Mercy Chaplet, which we have an episode on. But that would occur 50 years or so later, and in two different parts of the world. Anyway. Alright, so this is how you do the chaplet, and it can be done on your standard rosary beads. So, the first, the opening prayer, which you say on the crucifix, O Jesus, Divine Redeemer, be merciful to us and to the whole world, Amen. Now, on the three beads, the first, you say, Holy God, Mighty God, Immortal God, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Amen. This is the exact same thing you say in the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Why? That's suspicious. It's not suspicious. This is actually a prayer that is used often in the Eastern Rites of the Catholic Church. Second bead, Grace and mercy, O my Jesus, during present dangers, cover us with your precious blood. Amen. Third bead, Eternal Father, grant us mercy through the blood of Jesus Christ, your only Son. Grant us mercy, we beseech you. Amen, amen, amen. The following prayer is said on the large beads of the rosary chain, the five large beads, which we learned stand for the five wounds. Eternal Father, I offer you the wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ to heal the wounds of our souls. And on the small beads, my Jesus, pardon and mercy through the merits of your holy wounds. So that will all be in this post, I'll probably do a separate post for it as well here on Patreon. But it's a good devotion um, to me personally. It's not as rhythmic as the Divine Mercy. There's a little more wordiness in there. But I love that it's shorter than the typical rosary, and you can pray it on a rosary. And again, you have this offering up, offering up our pain, offering up our sufferings. 
apologizing to the darkness sometimes we bring upon the world and asking for forgiveness and for grace. So you have a lot of devotions that spawned from the holy wounds. So I just took us back to the 20th century, but ever since the Middle Ages and onward, there were other devotions that spawned. And these devotions, oftentimes we think devotion, we think it has to be consistent, and I think it should be. But something like divine mercy, right, which is the love of God that flows forth. I could have a devotion to that, and then also have a devotion to the sacred heart, because the love comes from the heart. Or from the side wound, because blood and water cleansed us, and it uh, poured forth from the side wound, much like divine mercy. So there's a lot of crossover and tie-in with these devotions, so don't feel like you have to only have one. I do think it's good to have a few go-tos that you do each week. So, anyway, I'm getting off topic. A few other devotions that stemmed from the Five Holy Wounds, a few other popular ones, of course, would be the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which we're going to get into. Um, I think the Sacred Heart is beautiful, and it wasn't a wound, or the spear. I think the spear did pierce his heart, right? So it is a wound. It was, And also, the symbolism there is sometimes... When we treat each other with malice, we also harm the heart of Christ. And thus, we shall pray to mend that wound on his heart that we have created. But also, thanksgiving, because the graces and love and beauty pour forth from the Sacred Heart, the Holy Spirit, which is the element of God that heals us, that fills us, that makes us whole. This God, this person of the Trinity, it is formed because of the love of the Father and the Son, and for there to be love, there has to be a heart. So the Sacred Heart of Jesus is another great one that spawned from the Holy Wounds, and yes, we'll be doing an episode on that. And all of these I'm about to list. The Precious Blood of Christ, which we talked about a bit earlier, blood being this symbolism of the Old Testament of cleansing and purification. You get that a lot in deliverance and demonic protection prayers. The side wound of Christ is another interesting one because it's often seen as cleansing, as protecting uh, water poured forth, which does have some symbolism to the Garden of Eden, which was said to have water flowing through it. Though it's also this beautiful um, cleansing baptism, there's so much there. The crown wound of Christ isn't that popular. You have it with some saints who receive that stigmata, such as Catherine of Siena and Saint Rita. Um, though that's another beautiful one, is the crown wound. Uh, the shoulder wound of Christ is said to have appeared to Saint Bernard or Bernard of Clairvaux, and Bernard asked what wound hurt Christ the most, in which Christ replied his shoulder wound. And then centuries later, Padre Pio, who bore the wounds of Christ, was asked the same question by the future Pope John Paul II, and Pio surprisingly answered his shoulder wound, which no one had knew he had because he was always wearing vestments. But Pio's brothers, they backed up the claim that they had seen the wound, which is really interesting as well. And one devotion that you, you do in the stations that you don't see as a standalone devotion that I think is beautiful, and I'm gonna advocate for it right now, 
is the the pain Christ felt in the garden, the agony in the garden. That is the only, more or less, the only wound in the passion that is mental and emotional. It's the only wound out of the passion that stems from anxiety, fear, and human emotion. And I think that's beautiful. So while that does not have a standalone devotion, there is a very beautiful prayer, which is really short, to the angel that consoled Christ in Gethsemane, in the garden. And it's something as simple as, angel who consoled Christ in the garden of Gethsemane, hold me in your arms and give me courage. But I think a devotion to that angel and reflecting upon how Christ too felt anxiety, fear, sadness, and overwhelmedness, I think that's a beautiful reflection, even though it's not really a devotion one, one sees. So, how can we incorporate the wounds into our spirituality? So, the aforementioned chaplet is great for cleansing oneself and offering suffering up to the Lord so that he may remove them. But I think the best way to remember how to reflect upon the wounds is looking at the famous prayer, the Anima Christi, or the Soul of Christ. And this is often attributed to St. Ignatius of Loyola, but he likely just popularized it. Uh, there's some other versions that go even earlier from Ignatius. So Ignatius was 14th century, and there's some from 5th, 6th century. But here's the prayer. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O oh, good Jesus, hear me, within your wounds hide me. Permit me not to be separated from you. From the wicked foe defend me, at the hour of my death call me and bid me come to you. That with your saints I may praise you forever and ever. Amen. So, this lays out a lot of the wounds. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And I think using that method we briefly discussed at the beginning. So what can I learn from this practically? What can I learn from this? First, how can I contemplate these? And then what can I learn practically and how can I use this spiritually? So, blood of Christ, inebriate me. What can I use from this? How can I contemplate this? Let's contemplate this together. The blood of Christ, and we've talked about this already. That is a sign of cleansing. That is a sign of purification. So, I will call upon the blood when I need to purify myself, my home, my family, my friends. I will call upon the blood of Christ and meditate upon that when I too need to be washed and protected, moreover. Because, right, it's not just purifying, it was in the atonement ritual, but it's also protective. So, just like the blood over the door, the spirit of death passed over, may this blood also protect me. Though also, practically, Christ sacrificed, he spilled blood for us. What am I doing? What can I sacrifice so that I can be closer to God? And that can really be used for all of the wounds, but I think that's a simple and beautiful one to use. Or the Eucharist, the blood of Christ. If I have a devotion to the blood of Christ, then I can go receive the blood of Christ in the form of the Eucharist, which can be just in the wafer, 
the wafer is the body and blood, or the wine as well. And then in this prayer you have, in his wounds hide me, and water from the side of Christ wash me, which I can kind of conflate together, right? So that would be devotion to the side wound. And the side wound, we can contemplate that. So we pierce, we, sure, we pierce the side of Christ with the lance and water rolls out. That is very symbolic of childbirth. It's very symbolic of birth and creation. Therefore, when we contemplate that, we can ask Christ to help us in our creation and the things we create. Also, water is baptism, water is cleansing. So we can ask for that water that gushes from the side of Christ to cleanse us or cleanse something, heal something. Also, we can think about the times in which we have been harmed and wounded and ask Christ for our wounds to recover. And then also, I think there's a beautiful one here about in the wounds of Christ, hide me. And there's a lot of medieval devotion from the mystics about hiding in the side wound of Christ. Um, there's some that even take it further and envision the side wound as being a womb of protection. Not only of protection, but a womb of growth, going back to the childbirth analogy. So the side wound is interesting. I don't want to get too much into it because we're going to cover it in this series. So that one, the side wound can be about protection, cleansing, and also a reflection on our own spirituality. We talked about the Garden of Gethsemane, which isn't on this list of this prayer, but it's one we mentioned. So we can reflect on that. The shoulder wound we talked about. The crown, which is something mocking. How, do we, how often do we feel as if what we have done and brought forth to others has been mocked? How often do we feel like an imposter? How often do we feel like our work has been shot down? Christ had the crown of thorns put on his head and was mocked. Oh, you think you're a king? How often has that been done to us? And moreover, how often do we do that to others? And how can we ask for forgiveness? But more so in doing that, we also recognize the true kingship of Christ in our lives. So there's a lot of fun things we can do from a contemplative and a mystical way. But to put it even more simply, the mystical elements, we can just simply use them in our prayers and our novenas, however we wish. So those are the five wounds of Christ. And I hope you find some time to reflect on them, to incorporate them into your spirituality. And I hope you continue listening to the series because we're going to get into a lot of the ones we've already discussed so a lot of the wound-ish ones, the blood, the side wound, uh, the crown, maybe. We're also going to get into ones such as the devotion to the holy name, um, as well as some Marian devotions as well, which is going to be a lot of fun. There's some devotions about to the, um, the stars of Mary, so on and so forth. So hope you continue to listen, and I hope you enjoyed this Patreon episode. Let's pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Loving Father, you sent forth your Son out of love to incarnate as a human so he too could feel suffering, so he too could feel pain, so he too could feel the things that we feel. 
Suffering was not your plan. Suffering was a plan of the evil one. And sending your son, he too, could defeat suffering, could defeat pain, and defeat the other thing that you never planned for, death. In doing so now, all of these things can be redeemed. And as we reflect upon his wounds, upon his brutal passion, allow us to take the fruits, the sweetness that does exist from this pain, the redemption that he felt that he offers to us and allow that to be used in our lives. Allow his precious blood to wash over us and protect us. Allow the water that gushed forth from his side to cleanse us. Allow us to hide in his wounds. Allow us to console his broken heart with acts of love and charity. We ask this through the Holy Trinity. Amen. This has been a bonus episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. Thank you so much for listening. And may the soul of Christ glorify us. Amen.